God bless you, everybody. We are so happy to be here with you again. And thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. Oh, those uh, good old gospel hits from a way back in time. Yes, I recognize them. It's, uh, I don't know if it's a pity to show how old you are that way, uh, but, you know, I, I guess I'm not ashamed of it at all. It's all just precious. Thank you. And, ladies and gentlemen, today we continue The Whisper of Satan, and this is uh, part seven. This will probably be our final chapter uh, of The Whisper of Satan, and we will move on to something else uh, the following week. <clears throat> Uh, there are lots and lots of things happening in the world, and, uh, you know, it's uh, really interesting to have an insight, to have a word, a message from God to lead you and guide you uh, by the Holy Spirit into all truth. So God bless you people, and may God anoint you to listen and to hear this word. May God anoint you to understand this word and for it to be a blessing in your life. There is a word in the Bible, and it's in more than one place, and it talks about, you know, uh, coming into the revelation that was preached before the foundations of the world. It, it, it's got to do with the glory or the glories uh, that belong to us uh, before the foundations of this world were even laid. And so it has to be a reckoning. It has to be a coming into a deep understanding that there is something going back in time. It belongs to the seer ministry, going back in time that belongs to us. It, it, it's glories that that are all part of the past that we lived, all part of the life uh, as ophanims that we lived. And, and God wants us to understand and to know those things. And through going into the ministry through revelations and the Holy Spirit of that which was, of that which is, and that which is to come, these chapters that have been closed can be opened. These mysteries that have been sealed up can be unsealed, and the book can be read. It's an exciting time. We know in John five twenty eight through 29, it talks about the resurrection. And it says that <clears throat> the resurrection will be uh, of both the good and, and, and the evil. Uh, it'll be both good and evil persons that will resurrect. Uh, a lot of individuals sometimes just don't get that picture. Uh, you know, they, they think that uh, everything that is evil just instantly somehow uh, dematerializes or, or goes into a, a demon. Uh, but, you know, there is uh, something quite more to it than that. And, and uh, in this whisper of Satan, we want to uh, reveal some of these things. Uh, there, there are just so many revelations that we need to know. Uh, you know, everything that is according to the state it exists in is a prophecy proclaimed or a prophecy being proclaimed such is true of all events and usually we don't think of it like that we don't think of something that is being lived as a prophecy but actually that is the case uh, if the potent is is good uh, the prophecy is for good if the potent is evil the prophecy is for evil evil defined as connived is sinister evil 
evil defined as anything contrary to the state one holds as good is convolutional evil. It is possible for a higher state of goodness to be considered convolutionally evil because it can be overpowering, if not even destructible, to lower states of goodness. So then what is considered convolutionally evil may indeed be exceedingly good in those uh, states uh, for which uh, they are receptible of uh, a degree of higher goodness. Um, <clears throat> consider the germs. Such form of life, although unsold experiences, uh, uh, although unsold experience flourishings and quincings. Uh, when germs are flourishing, to them it is goodness. But when germs are are um, uh, not flourishing, uh, it is more to them uh, a state of convolutional evil. Uh, so many things in life are like that. Uh, if uh, <clears throat> we are a human being and our body is uh, uh, suddenly attacked by germs and the germs are just multiplying uh, sequentially in vast numbers and to them, uh, you know, it, it is a great and flourishing time. Uh, but to the body, those uh, flourishing times are uh, potentially devastating, could even bring about, uh, besides sickness, possibly even death. Uh, so uh, when we uh, are affected by those germs, that is a convolutional evil. And and when we b begin to fight those germs and destroy them, then it turns the tables around the other way against the germs, and it becomes a convolutional evil on their side. So those are some of the things that uh, help us to to see and and uh, to be proclaimers and disclaimers uh, and to proclaim a happening it may be necessary to disclaim the current condition or it may be understood that a proclamation may necessitate the change of a former happening to change a convolutional evil you must invert it by changing the state of proposition so then to heal a sore the thought of healing prior to the healing is an act of prophecy when the prophecy is actuated, the healing creates a change of condition or state of that condition. When someone shows you their suffering and you successfully heal them, you have changed one prophecy into another. Therefore, you have the power to change evil dreams to good dreams, evil happenings to good happenings. Even so, uh, within the confines of I am, there is a power to allow and to disallow. There is a power to invoke or to reprobate. Uh, there is a, uh, is a power to, uh, to speak to a tree or to a mountain and say, be cast into the sea. Or you may say to a convolutionary prophecy or scripture, be thou inverted. And to it, and, and to, uh, it shall it be. So as we, we go on and, and, and we look at these things, we could expand it. We could, we could say, it could be like uh, we look at a cloud and see darkness, or we, uh, at another time, look at the same cloud and see light. The power of vision is extended according to the power of individual revelation. So then what is darkness to one is light to another, 
And there are Bible instances uh, for sure uh, when Moses and the children of Israel were uh, uh, fled from the Pharaoh and they came within uh, a parameter area of where they were. Uh, the uh, Pharaoh uh, side, uh, you know, saw uh, <clears throat> the darkness. The uh, children of Israel side saw the light. <clears throat> so uh, the sacrifice that brings life can also bring death as well. The sacrifice that brings death, as I said, can bring light and uh, our life, rather. And so we have to choose every day wisely. And we have to un understand there is a deep cloaking of these things that are not just uh, uh, visible and obviously, uh, you know, obviously apparent. Uh, we have to uh, redeem some of these things uh, in our mind uh, so that uh, we can uh, give unto them uh, transitions that will make exceptions and these exceptions uh, make a capability to draw on greater wells of love and devotion and uh, th those are just things that that are just so important one of the questions that I got, and maybe we can just get this a little bit out of the way because it sort of fits in to this thing of our teaching uh, about the um, pomegranate, uh, you know, clusters, and we talked about those uh, fruits uh, being the the eyes, representing all those little cluster of fruits representing the eyes. Um, the question, you know, uh, was is um, when will the saints uh, see Satan? fall as lightning like Jesus did. You know, Jesus once said he saw Satan fall as lightning. Well, we get some really good hints at that as uh, we, we look in the scripture. When we look in, um, you know, the, the book of Revelation, there are several uh, descriptions uh, to do with, with, with the Lord that have to do with eyes. Like, for instance, uh, Revelations 1, 14 said his, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flames of fire. In uh, Revelations 2, 18, uh, it says that to the angel of the church of uh, Thyatira, Thyatira, write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, his feet are like fine brass. And in um, Revelations 4, uh, verse 6, uh, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And, uh, and then we, we see, uh, 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 well, that was actually, I, I was cheating a little bit. I, that was out of the uh, third chapter uh, of, uh, Rev of Revelations. The fourth chapter, verse 6, says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes, full of eyes before and behind. Now, these four beasts later turn out to be uh, a representation of the four kinds of humankind, and 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 they are uh, clearly um, uh, persons and people that are uh, referred to in Revelations as, as persons that uh, uh, repent. And, and so therefore, uh, it's very clear that this is referring to, to humans. 
then when we go back into that, into Ezekiel, where uh, we have, you know, so much revelation there about the pomegranate clusters uh, uh, in the way of uh, the uh, zits and and uh, and the the rings and all of those uh, phenomenal things. For instance, let's go to uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter one, and uh, <clears throat> we'll look at that first. Um, uh, and and let, let me correct myself again. Let's go to uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh, chapter one, and uh, let's um, you know just uh, uh, have a little uh, understanding here. Uh, first off. Um, in the 14th verse, it says, And the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of the flash of lightning. And in verse 16, it talks about the different colors of burl and and, and the wheel in the middle of the wheel. And uh, it talks in, in the um, 18th verse about their rings. They were so high that they were dreadful. And their rings, uh, of course, uh, were full of eyes around about them were full of eyes. Now there is another scripture. If we turn to Ezekiel 10 uh, and the 12th verse, and it's talking about these same uh, creatures and same uh, um, the wheels and the cherubims and so forth, and uh, and it says that in the 12th verse, their whole body and their backs and their hands and their wings and the wheels were full of eyes around about, even the wheels that they four had. It doesn't take too deep of an understanding to realize that we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about these these multiple eyes, uh, uh, these eyes that are able to see uh, <coughs> the the things that God is revealing in the many different depths, the, the uh, surface, the 30-fold, the 60-fold, the 100-fold, and, and how there is uh, such relevance uh, to seeing that. Well, these very creatures that are uh, into that kind of a revelation, uh, they are the ones that I read to you where, you know, the, these wheels uh, went like a flash of lightning. And... Um, and of course, uh, that's just one of their slower speeds, because a flash of lightning would be like the speed of light. And uh, <clears throat> as we begin to see these things and understand these things, and see how that they're tied in, uh, the description of Jesus with these eyes of fire, and 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 the, uh, the 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 four beasts with these eyes before and behind, and and then in Ezekiel these examples of of these eyes that were every part of the body. Uh, there is a, a revelation there, and the revelation, without doubt, has to do with uh, a place that a person reaches uh, as you you get in into these uh, places that that uh, you are progressing to and that you reach uh, you are beginning to uh, look back in time uh, you uh, by and by looking back in time you you actually reach a point that you gain on time and and as you gain on time you you basically are eliminating part of it and uh, it is an awesome, exciting thing that uh, is the revelation of truth. And uh, <clears throat> the, what this message 
you know, is about uh, the whisper of Satan. It's about uh, teaching God's people uh, how to fulfill the prophecies going all the way back to Genesis to to tread upon the head of the serpent. And it's, it's very, very, very important uh, for God's people to have that uh, ability, and, and they're going to get it by coming into uh, the eye visions. As they begin to come in these eye visions, uh, they're going to be seeing not only what is happening around you now, not only what is happening in the future, but it says that they had eyes uh, before them and behind them. We know that in one place the Bible talks about uh, John saying, and the trumpet sounded behind me. Sometimes uh, the revelation isn't just about what is happening today. It isn't just about what's going to happen tomorrow uh, or even in a, a distant future. Sometimes it's important to be able to have the revelation about the trumpet that sounds behind you, the, the revelation that is back in time because uh, like this one that I started off with of the glories that belong to your peace, that belong to you before the foundations of this world. Uh, you need to be able to come into those revelations. Uh, they will give you the power. And, and, and it is going to be the eyes that, that are all over your body. They're on your wings. And those wings are your aspirations your aspirations to, to be lifted up above the, the world and, and, and those eyes that, that are, uh, you know, before and, and back, they're all part of, of, of God bringing you by the Holy Spirit into the memory of all things and restoring the memory because memory uh, belongs to to eyesight it belongs to things that that uh, you have a, a, a visual memory of uh, and is is stacked in your brain and it can be recalled uh, but some memories can't be recalled except by the Holy Spirit and and that's what we're wanting to show the people and teach the people so that they can get into those kind of things and we've talked different times in the past in our teachings about the scripture in Hebrews 9.23, which talks about purifying the patterns of the things in heaven, uh, in the heavens. <clears throat> That's what this is all about. That's what getting, coming into the, all these eye visions are, so that you can see things uh, that, that are, are not just in part, uh, we have to go beyond just uh, seeing in part and knowing in part. We've got to get into the the full revelation of the manifestations of God. We've got to get in, into the fulfillment of the revelations of God and the callings of God. And we have to get caught up into the spirit with that kind of revelation. <clears throat> Praise God. All right. So um, th there is an, an an interesting term. The scientists use this term. I'm going to sort of borrow it from them and use it in a different way. But they talk about a black hole having an event horizon. And it's uh, at a point at which you get so close to the black hole that uh, it begins to suck everything into it. Uh, also, it's the point at which uh, around the black hole there are um, urgent energies uh, trying to escape and and in that event horizon, the 
gravity of the black hole is uh, trying to hold everything back to keep it from escaping. Uh, those are all very, very important things. And um, uh, there are so many, many things that we have to come into cognizance of. But I, I want to start this uh, message out on this event horizon in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. Uh, this is, I'm sure almost every Christian has read these verses and this chapter over and over again. But God just put it on me uh, shortly before my teaching that I was to uh, go into this and, and, and read this and, and share it, uh, even though it's been read many times by most of you. There is an importance uh, of what Paul called in the 31st verse a more excellent way, the 31st verse of the 12th chapter. And that that was an introduction to the 13th chapter. And it goes like this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. A person might have to examine yourself you know, a sounding brass could be like uh, a brass instrument, like a trumpet. It could be very loud and, and blaring. And, uh, you know, uh, and yet uh, it could be of an uncertain sound, not really saying anything that was distinct as a message uh, from the Holy Spirit. And, and a tinkling cymbal, uh, of course, is, is a sound that uh, is pretty wimpy and not just really giving anything of, of a definite clarity. And though I have the gift of prophecy. Now, uh, <clears throat> before we go on to that, in that capability that you are, are offered uh, to have the possibility of, the potential of, is to be able to speak with the tongues of, uh, uh, the tongues of men and of angels. So this thing about speaking with the tongues of angels uh, as we will see later in my teachings, uh, really gets a person into what is called uh, the uttermost areas of the heavens. And um, we will look at that as we go along with this uh, uh, Whispers of Satan, uh, Part 7, and we uh, you know, sort of catalog along the information areas of this event horizon I'm using as a subtitle. Um, so we, we, we have uh, then the, the possibility of tongues of men and tongues of angels and, and being able to have those tongues <clears throat> so that you can speak, speak those tongues. What a beautiful, incredible, advanced way. <clears throat> and yet, though you, though you may have uh, th those incredible uh, opportunities and, and capabilities, but if you don't have charity, then you are weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. And, and, and you just become something else instead of it being something beautiful that could be said with those tongues of men and those tongues of angels. It just becomes a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And when I read that, I thought, oh my God, I can so see that, and I don't say this in any judgment kind of way or, or any putting down kind of way, but there are so many um, religious organizations that 
teach about God and teach about the goodness of God and, and the need that people have to take in the goodness of God into their lives. And yet, uh, because of some lack, uh, they, they get involved uh, with the with the things that they know that are good and the capabilities that they could be really expounding on and 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 doing uh, you know tremendous exploits with uh it, it just it just fizzles down into being some kind of a tinkling symbol because they are not getting into the the charity which which is the foundation of of, of those beautiful experiences Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries. Wow, I mean, what a titleship that would be, to have prophecy and to understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I think it's so important, ladies and gentlemen, that when you are examining ministries and you are looking at you know the trying to find the fruits of the ministry that you may be looking at the powerful uh, projection of their words uh, you might be looking at their gifts of healing uh, the awesome faith that some of these people have the awesome teachings that they do And you might feel, my God, what more do I need than this to prove that this is of God? <clears throat> and I apply that to these, to these manifest teachings that I do and to these manifest revelations that I give. And often I've had people come to me and try to make something super out of me and I've explained to them, look, you are talking about the wrong person. And let me tell you a little parable. And I was just telling this to someone on the phone earlier today. And I've told it to some of you. You've heard it before. But I said it's like a parable of God speaking to an angel. And he says to the angel, go out there and choose one of the sticks in that pile and bring it to me. And the angel goes out and he sort of rummages through the sticks and he comes back with the stick and hands it to, to God and he says, now, you might want me to go back out and choose another stick because this stick is not just really perfectly straight. It's got some sort of crooked places in it. And uh, God says, no, uh, I'll, I'll deal with this stick here and, I, and uh, uh, anoint this stick and... Uh, and uh, uh, go before it in ministry. And I said, that's like, that's like me. I was that stick. And, uh, uh, but, you know, does that alone make me great or not great or true or not true? Um, you know, we're going to find out as we read this 13th, 13th um, uh, uh, chapter here. Uh, you know, because, I mean, we could even have the power to remove mountains. And yet, it, the, the scripture says here, if we don't have charity, we are nothing. Nothing 
N-O-T-H-I-N-G, no thing. And though I bestow, now here's a good one, because here's where people would really get confused. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profits me nothing. There are people that are are into to, to acts of, of giving and, and, and donating and helping. Uh, but people have to understand, you cannot earn the act and, the, and, and the, the transition of charity by just making donations. Even, even to, to help feed the poor. And you can even sacrifice your life and sacrifice your body and decide to go over and be a missionary in some uh, cannibalistic place where, where you end up, you know, uh, burned at the stake and then eaten. You can do all those kind of things. But if you don't have charity, what you've done has no profit for you, physically or spiritually. That's what the Bible says. This is an incredible word. And, and what we're talking here is an event horizon. This is, this is where the source of happening is. This is where the real crux is. Whether it be a black hole, a white hole, the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the good or the evil. Ladies and gentlemen, this event horizon is something we've got to deal with. It's real. We don't have charity. It doesn't profit us anything. Now, it starts telling a little bit about charity. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up does not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. I, I want to tell you that according to the Bible, there is a lot going on under the name of Christendom that does not fit the pattern of charity. Jesus repeatedly in his word would say things like, fear not. He told his disciples, he told the people he ministered to, that they were to trust him. They were to put the burdens on him, that his yoke was easy. He would bear those burdens. But we've got so many of the church people today that they have become entangled in a hateful kind of politics in a hateful warlike fashion where they're all but ready to take up arms against their own nation that they were born in because they don't like how things are going. And it doesn't sound to me like charity. Yeah, they may be ready to give their body to be burned, but it doesn't sound like charity. And the Bible says it'll profit nothing. We have to be kind. 
We have to be long-suffering. We have to be so that we are not in envy of anyone. And we can't vaunt ourselves up to think that we're something and have the right to do these things. We can't be full of pride. Charity does not behave itself unseemingly. Speaketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Well, a lot of of people under the name of Christendom, it seems like many of them are more involved in thinking about the evil that is in the world and the politics they don't like, the things going on in the world, in government that they don't like. And they're just totally wrapped up with that. It, it, It is taking up a great conveyance of the thoughts of their mind And it's it's not charity. <clears throat> it's not charity. It's not the word of God. You gotta be you gotta reach a point where you're not you're not thinking and think no evil. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. That's what that's what charity does. It beareth all things. It beareth all things. Are you doing that? Are you bearing all things? Or are you letting these messages of Christendom that are not in the spirit of love badger at you, tear you down, give you fear, cause you to tremble, cause you to be afraid, cause you to be confused, cause you to have anger? I I meet so many Christian people that are just so full of anger. And and I'm sorry to have to say it, but I hear it in in their conversations. They're full of hate. And they need to remember at this event horizon that though they speak with the tongues of men and angels, that though they have all kinds of gifts of prophecy and faith and understand all mysteries and knowledge, if they don't have charity, it's nothing. There's no prophet, no spiritual prophet. So sad. Well, verse 7 says, It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Now that is a mouthful. Some people would have a real problem understanding that or believing that. But what that is basically saying is that there's always going to be wars and, and rumors of wars. There's always going to be scary happenings some of it, the rebellion of nature, which is just a normal impetition that nature provides. <clears throat> and what it is saying is, don't turn those things into evil. And even though there are people out there saying and doing things that are evil, don't let yourself get caught into the subjects of that evil. Because your job is supposed to be to render everything unto Jesus Christ. And it's not your job. The, the Bible absolutely clarifies that, that, that we are not to war. We are not to war after the flesh. That is absolutely in the Bible. 
Now, I don't want you to take that someplace that I'm not going with it. There's a balance to everything. But I want you to see that there is something very strong here on this event horizon. <clears throat> and it goes on and says, you know, we we want to be we want to be in the mode where we're hoping the best. We're hoping for all things. We we want to be in the mode that we are enduring all things. In fact, the Bible says, he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. This thing of enduring is really big. And, and I'm going to have to tell you that it's one of the signs of fruit, that if people are not being able to endure the things that are going on, which, the, which, which you know, we have to understand, this isn't paradise. This is one of the forms of hell. And it is natural to expect some of the worst possible happenings because we live on a planet of, of beasts. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, I pray that, that man would be manifest so that he would understand that he is a beast. There are beast actions, beast kind of very ugly things going on out there. But we have to be those people that are balancing things because we are hoping for all the things that are good. We are enduring all things for the benefit of standing in the gap. And it says charity of that kind never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And then Paul goes into this. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. See, one of the great problems, why many ministries of Christendom are getting into this, this wrath and this anger and this resentfulness is because they are only knowing in part. They're not seeing the whole story. They don't have the whole revelation. And because they only have part of the story, they're basing all of their intuitiveness and concept on just a part of the information. And you can't base truth on a part of the information. You can't base reality on a, just a part of the information. And then, even if you had all the information, there is a catalyst that has to go with it to have the kind of right spiritual enzymes to digest from your flesh life into your spirit life. And so, he said, when I was a child, I, I, I understood as a child I thought as a child, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, this is going along with the scripture that Paul wrote in another place. And he said, setting aside the principles of the foundations of the doctrines of Jesus Christ, the laying on of hands, the baptisms, the resurrection. I mean, he just listed a whole bunch of the most awesome seemingly 
number one teachings of the ministry of Christ. And yet he said, no, you, you know, you've got to set that aside so that it won't be in the way as a roadblock. It doesn't mean that you're doing away with it. You're just setting it aside for when you might need it. But you have to understand that that information doesn't need to be right in front of your eyeballs all the time because it's something you know and you can, you can, you can draw on it when you need it. But in the meanwhile, you don't want it to be up in front of your mind, up in front of your eyes, up in front of your hearing, so that you can't be open to hear other messages that's going to take you on to perfection. And then he goes on. For now we see through a glass darkly. By only knowing in part, we cannot see through the glass with a focus of light. But we see through a glass darkly. It does not give us a good vision. It does not give us a good uh, focus. It does not give us a clear masterpiece of revelation. And he goes on, he says, because now I know in part, but then, and he's prophesying here, I shall know even also as I am known. And he's taking it right on back to before the foundations of the world. See, he's, he's into, the, into, the, into the message. He's going back into the seer revelation. One of these days I'm going to be known as I was known. And then the summation, verse 13, chapter 13, verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Now, we know that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And that's a powerful scripture. But yet, Paul says here, charity is the greatest of these. He says there's these really three powerful energies. Faith and hope. He said those are really powerful. Those are really good. Faith, hope, and charity. He said these three but the greatest of them is charity. So, as we start thinking about the event horizon, and we begin to realize how that there is a very deep underlying reality of truth that supersedes all of these incredible, most fantastic gifts and potentiations. And it is simply expressed in the word charity. But we know by looking that up, it is a very deep relationship of love of God. It is a God love. And when you get into that kind of, that super God love, it overrides all of the fear, all of the threats of danger, and it, it, it shows you how to react. Just like, I mean, Jesus doesn't just leave, leave you uh, uh, standing out there uh, waiting for, for a disaster. He spoke to the people. He said, now, when the Roman soldiers, uh, who are the, the people of the eagle, when they come in and they begin to burning down the, the, the temple, they begin to knocking down the walls, he said, if you're up on the housetop, if you're in the house, if you're out in the field, he said, don't even wait 
for uh, don't don't even de- de- detract yourself for a minute. He said, don't go back to get anything out of the house. You don't have time. That just going back into the house and saying, well, I've got to have this and I've got to have that, that may be enough for the for the these other soldiers to come and, and take you into slavery because over 30,000 people were taken into slavery to Rome in 70 AD when, when the Romans uh, broke down uh, the walls of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and desecrated it. He said, flee. And Jesus told this years and years and years and years, you know, years and years and years ahead of time. So we have to understand that Jesus cares. He said, flee to the mountain. He's told people, here's what you do. Flee to the mountains. Okay, now... If we look at 1 Corinthians 1, 9, just a short little blurb here, but it's, it's well worth uh, mentioning, uh, to mention. Um, Romans, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 9. And it says, um, it says that, uh, well, the, the, uh, okay, the one that I wanted to find is a little bit different than somehow the one that I got written down. But um, uh, God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, there is a fellowship that exceeds all other relationships. All other little church groups, all other little ministry groups, those are all cells. They're cells in the body of God. But there is a fellowship that incorporates the wholeness of that concept of the body of God, not just in a cellular aspect of a few little experiences with a small little group or a, a small batch of teachings that is of a, a major nature through its, its fellowship. And uh, we know that that could be part of the event horizon because the Bible tells us that there is a sentence of, of death that is written within ourselves. And if that's not an event horizon, then we don't even know what it is. It certainly is. A sentence of death is written within every person. And we have to deal with that sentence of death. And we have to deal with the laws of sin and death that are within every person. And we can't trust ourselves to think that we can make an opinion of judgment because Jesus made it clear what he thought about the capability of humans. And he says that he did not take the testimony of any man, meaning man or woman, because he knew what was in the human race. And so he didn't. So Jesus 
our Master, our Lord, has made it clear that He knows what is in the human race. Even Paul said, when I desire to do good, I do the wrong thing instead. And so the teaching and the doctrine of trans-assimilation, in which we are taking on the life of Jesus Christ, becomes so important as we begin to understand this sentence of death that is written in every person and that is right there at the event horizon. These event horizons can suddenly snap us in or not. Now let's look at something that ties in with this quite beautifully. Galatians 1.16. Let's start with verse 15. Galatians 1, 15 through 16. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred, not with flesh and blood. If you want to get into enduring unto the end, if you want to be able to pass beyond the event horizon so that the black hole is not going to suck you into it, snuff you out. You've got to come to some profound reasonings. And these are things that Satan, in his whispers, is trying to teach people just the opposite. He's trying to, to encourage people to be warriors. And and a lot of these people are referring to the the battles and, and, and the war and 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 the things that was done by the children of Israel and by some of the leaders of Israel. And and they'll get up and they'll read these scriptures and they'll say, Now look what these people did. These are really men of war and and, and uh you know, with the idea we need to be like that. <clears throat> but I want to tell you something. When the revelation came to Moses to go to the land of of of, uh, of, of Canaan, uh, he was told that the angel would go before him, and the angel would would angels would make the way. But you know, the people were just like they were over Saul; they wanted a king over them, just like the other nations had a king, and they wanted to bear arms and go out, and and and, and these these Israelites did some awful things. You know, uh, one time, uh, in fact, the very time that 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 uh, David, their leader, was, uh, uh, you know, cavorting with uh, uh, a wife of, of one of his most loyal subjects. The, this this uh, subject of his was one of the 33 supermen. And, uh, and uh, his wife was, uh, you know, uh, on the top of this roof and taking a bath and and David saw her and lusted after her and and ended up sending uh, messengers to have this her husband killed so that he could take her as a wife he already had several wives well while he was involved in all of that his main general and this is how the spirit of evil works defeated the enemy and then rounded up the live people close to 10,000 people 
and they they put th- these fire kilns and heated them with this incredible uh, uh, heat and furnace-like fire and had the soldiers stand on either side with these kind of, of uh, horse hawkers that could cut off a leg of a horse and forced the people to march through those kilns and were burned alive in those those kilns they were it was it was a horrible kind of death and torture that they put those people through and so years and years and years later when the jews were rounded up by the nazis and and put into these gas chambers you know it was a very similar thing that was happening to them that they had they had provoked on on all these thousands of other people and then there was another time that they went and they took thousands of people uh, in the city of Sila, which is called Petra now. And they took them up on top of the rocks and they threw them off one at a time onto the pointed and hard rocks below where their bodies were just smashed and pierced uh, in a terrible kind of suffering and torture. And that's the people of Israel that did that. And even Moses, who was delivered from the Pharaoh and hidden from the Pharaoh by this group of people, later turned on them. It wasn't that they were perfectly innocent, but turned on them and slaughtered them all and put them through a a terrible thing. When Jesus came, He was so different. He says, Moses said this. You know, Moses said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, love thine enemy and forgive him. Jesus was love. I tell you, a lot of this religious stuff that was going on in the days of the Old Testament was not charity. Oh, yes, though the mountains be cast in the sea, though you've got all the knowledge, though you've got the faith, though, you, though miracles are happening, it doesn't mean you have charity. It wasn't until Jesus came that Jesus really showed us charity. Now, Satan doesn't like us to talk about that. He whispers these lies and says, look how great you can be. Look how... Look how these soldiers were back then. They wiped out whole cities. That's what you need to do to the United States or to Congress or or to a president. I mean, I'm just astounded the things that some of these religious groups are saying against their own nation, their own people of this world. That is not the words of Jesus Christ. That is not charity. That is not charity. And I beseech you, ladies and gentlemen, to hear this word today because, you know, there's an event horizon out there. And there are all kinds of things that are standing on the very fringe of trying to suck people into the black hole of the mind, to bring them into desperate, depraved places of depression, to places of panic, to places of fear and turmoil. 
And God is wanting to teach through the true word for people to be calm and 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 to not allow themselves to be deceived. And this scripture here in Galatians about to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among heathen is so deep and rich of transassimilation, of understanding that in our own flesh we can't be trusted. But if we, by this love of God, transassimilate into Jesus Christ and then allow the Lord to be revealed in us by that spirit of love, by that spirit of enduring, by that spirit of patience, by that spirit of not putting anything into, into the, the, the seal of, uh, of hopelessness, but believing for all good things that could still happen. Like Abraham, who did not think about, oh God, would you just judge these people and kill all of them except send the angels in and take out my relatives and get them out of the way where they would be safe and just wipe out the rest of these uh, terrible, horrible people. He did not have that kind of an attitude. Abraham, he said, well, God, wonder if there would just be 50 people. Would you save the city and all the people then? And he finally got it down to, okay, if there's just 10, God said, if there's even 10, I would, I would hold back the destruction. And unfortunately, there was not 10. But that is such a beautiful spirit. No wonder we call him Father Abraham. So there's many more things I could say on that. But God wants to reveal his son in you. And how you will do it is through the charity of God. That deep, deep, deep love that will give you peace. That will, that will give you an ability beyond anything that, that you can even imagine. Now, <clears throat> I want to look at a few scriptures, and this would seem to maybe not even tie in to what I'm preaching on right now, but it, but it does. Let's look at Mark 13, uh, 27. Mark 13, 27. And this is talking about the time. It's after the tribulation. And maybe we should start with uh, uh, verse 26. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, in the ziths, with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost parts of heaven. The Bible speaks in another place in Revelations where it talks about the message going to those on earth and the message going to those who live in the heavens. God is wanting to bring us into something. God is wanting us to be 
profound and interested in his word, in his love, being shed to the four corners of the earth. And not only to the four corners of the earth, but to fulfill the prophecy in Isaiah that says that we will plant the heavens. And to fulfill the prophecy in Luke that says this gospel is to be preached to the cosmos. That's what it says. That's the word for world, cosmos, universe. You know, we've got to stretch ourselves beyond this little confined of, of animal mentality, of people turning on people. We've got to get this event horizon so that we conquer it. We had this experience a while back in which we took people through the spirit to Arturia, the father's house. And we had the experience to show that there was a way of going through a black hole. A narrow channel where light does escape and does get out. God is wanting to reveal to us not the whole immensity of the black hole and all its suffocating defiance of everything else that's out there to, 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 to draw it and suck it and smash it and compress it, but to be aware of this little channel where you can go even through a black hole and come out on the other side and still be alive and still have victory, and even use the black hole as a shortcut to get where you're going. I think the love of God enlightens a person to be able to do the impossible and to do it in such a way that it's rendering everything to Jesus Christ and to God. And oh, how the whispers of Satan work against this kind of teaching and this kind of, of doctrine. But we see in this scripture here, it says he's going to gather his elect, not just from every place on the earth, but to the uttermost part of heaven. The uttermost. Now that reaches all of the way to the to our teaching about the Big Dipper area and the um, the bosom of Abraham. And it includes the bosom of the Father in a little dipper area. It's the uttermost. And we talked, I think, last week about how that, that through you know, the, the, the proper revelation, uh, we are able uh, to collapse the constant. Uh, the con the constant axiom that would normally prevent us from being able to go forward. And as we are able to collapse space, time is collapsed and distance is collapsed. And eventually I want to get into the revelation and show people how that that is done uh, to a certain extent so that they can really have some some deep insight because it is no doubt 
a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, we see in Nehemiah 1.9. Let's turn into the Old Testament into Nehemiah 1.9. And uh, uh, that, goes, that goes back a ways. And when you get into uh, that scripture, there's something very similar to that verse that I just read in Mark. Uh, and here is what it says. Um, but if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and I will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. That's a verification of that scripture. If people for some reason are, are forced to go out into the uttermost parts of space, once they get right with God, God knows wherever they will be. And he will go and he will gather them. So when this scripture in Mark talks about, you know, gathering, sending out his angels to gather them from the four winds and the uttermost parts of the earth and to the uttermost part of heaven, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, in, 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 in God, in love, in charity, distances don't exist. Time does not exist. The Bible says that the day will come when it will say, time shall be no more. And in Psalms um, 65 is a scripture that's sort of neat to read to go along with it. It's a little, little different, but it's still, still a good one uh, to read. So 65, 8, uh, it says, They also that dwell in the uttermost parts are in reverence of thy tokens. That's the MIV. Thou makest the outgoings of the morning and the evening to rejoice. Those event horizons called morning and evening, those outgoings and incomings, they can be put into a special potentiation and actual happening when you promote that with this deep love of God, when you promote that with this energy love, when you promote that with this charity of God. Wow. Those are such interesting things. Now, let's turn to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. And uh, this is a scripture that I, I, I read ever so often because it is a profoundly, uh, profoundly deep scripture. And it says, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. They shall arise. Awake and sing, you that dwell in the dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs. I want to, at this time, tell you that I have put on a prophecy about World War III. 
And it is a very, very spiritual prophecy that you should really uh, get onto and read it after the teaching or soon. And uh, it is on themanifestor.com and you can find it under Future Flash. Future Flash, you check on, you just put your cue on that and click on it and it'll take you right to that prophecy. That's quite a prophecy that you do not want to miss. Future Flash, themanifestor.com because I think this is an example of this thing of charity and love. It is an example of of presenting something by the Spirit that is the opposite of what dozens and dozens and dozens of other voices are speaking out there, both in the news media and in the political realms and in the uh, um, the the uh, religious realms. And and it is truly the power of, you know, enduring and, and the power of being able to to see to the end for hope. And I want you to, to read that because it it is a it is a message that uh that you need to swallow deeply because it's got something good in it. Now, thy dead men shall live together. And with my dead body they shall arise. Awake and sing you that dwell in the dust. Many, many years ago, the Lord gave me a word, a personal word. He called me son of dust. And um, I know people have been called son of man. And there's many other types of names like son of this and son of that. But I was given this revelation called son of dust. And here it speaks of awake and sing, you that dwell in the dust. For the dew is the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the death. Come, my people, enter thou into my chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth, for their iniquity, the earth shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. This is a vivid, incredible revelation. And Jesus said one of the last things that shall be overcome is death. And Paul wrote about the baptizing of the dead. And he said, you know, if these things aren't true, then all these things we're talking about is in vain. But, you know, he knew that they were true. Well, there is an horizon there that people have not come into the understanding and have not come to the touching of it in its fullest understanding of those people that are called dead. There is, there is such an importance of understanding that the dead are not dead as many people think of them being dead and just move them out of their mind. I know that almost every day I pray for the dead that I have a list of that are that are family and and uh, uh if I had all the names i i would I would do like the Bible suggests I would go back ten generations, but I don't have all those names. We've tried to look them up we can't find them, 
but I do what I can do. And I brought other people in that are, that are a spiritual family. And, and um, uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. But thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. That is, you know, when we're talking about Jesus Christ and my, my dead body, and he said, you're going to live with my dead body. That is the most beautiful thing uh, in, in the language of talking about the dead that can even be imagined. That is just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and when we start getting into uh, just thinking of, of the dead as, as, a, as a burying place in a graveyard, a cemetery, a sepulcher, a coffin, uh, we're, we're missing some other very important detail. We're missing the understanding that, that according to the Bible, in the, in the first chapter of, of, of the, or pardon me, not first chapter, but the first book of, of John 1, it tells us that we have the right to make a petition. And only if the people have, have sinned to sin unto death can we not make the petition. But any of the people, even though they've passed on, that have, that have made a sin not unto death, we can ask God for them and we can petition for them and God will hear our prayers and will give us our petition. That's a guarantee that we have. And, and people need to understand that when Jesus laid down his life because he said, no man can take my life and he gave up the ghost that he did something that no other human being had ever been able to do. He conquered death. And I'm going to tell you that when he resurrected, though he could change and transfigurate into many different forms, he still had an earthly body. He still had an earthly body. And when he left, and, and it says that he was taken up, he left with that physical body because that is what you use in your means of communicating and we need to understand that that God is going to re-engenerate these people and they're going to have bodies again now some people say well what's the difference between re-engeneration and reincarnation there's a world of difference Reincarnation uh, doesn't really need salvation, doesn't really need Jesus Christ in their teachings. They just believe you just keep recycling and, uh, on forever until you finally somehow overcome and, and reach that highest accord. They teach in migration. Uh, you know, they, that means that they can come back in a bug, uh, an insect, a uh, uh, germ, uh, animal. Uh, you know, regeneration doesn't teach any of those things. It, it, it just says, according to the scripture, that guarantees that every human being will get a time and a chance on this planet. They're going to get a time and they're going to get a chance. And I preach this different times. And and if if they don't get a chance to live out the the time that they're allotted, they will get to come back and live out that time. Same thing with babies that are aborted. They will come back and they will live again. 
They'll come back in another place and live. But they, that spirit will come, have a body, and get a chance to live. It won't go directly to heaven just because they were killed as a, as a, as a baby. Absolutely, and there's no teaching to verify that anywhere in the Bible. So we need to understand this thing about the dead. We need to put death underneath our feet. We need to understand that, that you know, that there's a second death, and that's a different kind of a death. But this first death, this dead body of, uh, of the Lord, <clears throat> it says men will live, will live together with my dead body, and they will rise with it. They'll rise with that dead body because as we're trans-assimilated uh, into Jesus and we allow this message to come forth in its beauty so that we begin to reveal the, the Son, the Jesus Christ in us. I'll tell you, we, we, we are, we're doing something in the way of wiping out the forces of darkness when we, when we come into that kind of thing. We're, uh, um, you know, we're, we're doing what Isaiah 42.2 says. We're bringing the law into a place that it's starting to become honorable. 1 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. And 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, Know no man after the flesh. And it goes on to say that We'll not even know Jesus after the flesh. And, and, and that's such a, a beautiful understanding because it means we'll no longer be uh, a separate entity looking at him uh, as, as a man of, of, of humanness. But we will be a part of him. And from that inner part of him, we will see Christ as the Son of God and as, as our Lord and Savior. And, and we will be, uh, you know, in uh, that kind of, of a life in which uh, Paul says, you know, uh, you are no longer in the flesh, but, but you are in the spirit because you are in Christ. And, and it's a beautiful thing. Now, we, we know that Second Corinthians 11, and you might just turn there real fast, when we're talking about the whisper of, of Satan. Second Corinthians 11 tells us something about the capability of, of Satan. And, and, and it certainly has got to be part of the, of the whisper of Satan. And it says, 11.14, 2 Corinthians, And no marvel, for Satan himself is, not can be and will be and should be, but Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And I'll just read the next verse. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, if Satan's ministers also be transformed as ministers <clears throat> of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now, this is big stuff. And this is, there's, if there's anything whispered about in the way of plotting, that's got to be one of the most diabolical things in which Satan and his ministers his his demon angels those angels uh cherubim angels that were cooned with him are able to appear as angels of light so that 
they appear as though they are good. And, and there, there's going to be a, a, a point at which it says that this thing of Satan revealing himself and setting himself up in the temple as, though, uh, as God, uh, that if the time wasn't shortened, there, there would be no humans left that did not believe in him. This is a, a, an event horizon, like a black hole, like a satanic black hole that is, has a plot, has a plan to suck in every soul and put it into his pocket on his side. And God is raising up people through the spirit of, of charity. Charity which is not just talking about money, but it's talking about love. That for the sake of love and because of love, that you are able to reach out with incredible determination, incredible perseverance, incredible dedication, incredible ability to endure to the end. It's like even in in nature, like a mother bear. She sees her cub where she thinks that she might even be in any way possibly in danger. That mother bear will just go wild with her life. She'll risk her life against a male bear three times her size. There's a certain kind of love there. I'm not trying to make it a divine love, but it, it certainly has to be a mimic of it in, in, in a, a physical way. And, of course, in a spiritual way, will then eventually have to be purified as the heavens have to be purified. But it's an example placed in nature. Praise be the name of God. Praise be the name of God. <clears throat> so as as we be, as we begin to see this and and we begin to get into this revelation of Satan is transformed into an angel of light. I, I wonder why we've got so many depictions of him with horns and with the most reptilian evil face that could be and all his demon imps. And they're saying, oh, you're going to be able to know what he looks like. This is what he looks like. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he's been transformed into an angel of light. And, and the Bible tells that Lucifer was one of the most beautiful angels in heaven. And the only way you're really going to be able to know the differentiation is you're going to have people that can talk with the voice of angels. You're going to have people that can, you know, that, that can move mountains. But the differentiation is going to be that if they don't have charity, that all of those things are of no value. They do not profit. They, they, are, they are nothing on the book of God. And those things are just so absolutely important. In 1 Timothy 5.21, it talks about the elect angels. And we know that's us. We know we are we are the we are elected to be re restored to our angelship. We know that we are elected, and as being elected and, and destined 
to be restored to our angelship. We know that we have to just work at this with all the love that God will give give to us. While we're in Corinthians, let's look at Corinthians 5. Because here's an interesting bit of information that you need to know this anyway. Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 19. And here's what it says. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to him self by Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, do you have the ministry of reconciliation? you understand what that is? Or do you have a ministry of anger and of vengeance and of wrath? Are you becoming consumed with your your wrath and, and your anger and letting people preach on these subjects about other people and about your own nation and just turn it into hate. I, I hear hate. I don't hear love. Coming out of many of these people. And the ministry that you are supposed to have is reconciliation. And why is that important? Because it's, it's tied into the rendering that we are supposed to do especially through this understanding of, of, of the, the, the gift of charity. Because in the next verse, it says, to wit, that God, and, and, and you understand there is a forensic connection there, why we need to be involved in this ministry of reconciliation, to wit, or because, that God was in Christ recon, reconciling, uh, reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses. This you have to understand that all of the creation that the Ophanims were involved in, that technically when they fell from heaven because of leaving their first estate and some other things that they did, they broke divine laws of God, that technically they should have lost all their credit, all their merits for the creation works that they did, which included not just being here at the creation times of the earth, but going all the way back to all of the making of the blueprints of plants and, and, and of soil and animals and all these things which the Bible says in Genesis that existed before they were ever put in the, the earth and grew. There's an incredible amount of work that went into, into uh, creating all these things and putting them into an organized patterns. And all of the credit that the Ophanims as creators had for that was like cast down to earth with them, except for one thing, except that Jesus took all of that creative work and he reconciled it unto himself. 
holding it in suspension, that through the acts of his offer of salvation, when people were rede- were redeemed and 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 when they became angels as Ophanim again, they would be handed back that credit of creation because he explains it here not imputing their trespasses unto them and one of the trespasses it's talking about of course is mentions it in Jude the angels that left their first estate and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation it says that twice We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, verse 18. We've been committed with this word of reconciliation. And it is so important to understand that we have to get into the rendering of that because that's all part of us ultimately coming through Jesus Christ and being revealed through Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ by transassimilation of being able to eventually regain the glories that belong to us before the foundations of the of the of the world. And so God's people need to be in reconciliation. Reconciliation isn't going out damning and cursing and hating, and threatening, and being full of fear. But it's being birthed in this deep, profound love of God energy that is going to allow us to overcome the world through Jesus Christ. By which the Bible says there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We are therefore by that given a kind of impunity to those past sins so that those past sins and those trespasses are not imputed against us. And it's so important that we are reconciliating with the whole world, instead of condemnation, instead of judgment. We want to be reconciled, causing people to come into the reconciliation. And, and we want to bring this summation into a, a, a resolve. And, and this resolve, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing other than this beautiful thing called charity which is agape love. It's agape love, ladies and gentlemen. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh. Second Corinthians ten thirteen. Wow. Now look at with with me to Hebrew four twelve. Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is quick and powerful 
and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrows, and as a discerner of thoughts and intents of heart. So it's talking about the spirit soul, the spirit, and the joints and marrow represent the body. So we've got spirit soul, we've got spirit, and we've got body. And it is able to divide and asunder asunder between the understanding of, of the spirit soul, which is the birthright that we have that belongs to us from the, before the foundations of the world. Satan has tried to cover these things up and keep them from us. There are so many, many things that, that the forces of darkness have, have done to, to try to hold back the truth from us. It's just, it's just, it's just ama- amazing that uh, we could become so susceptible. Now, <clears throat> I mentioned this yesterday. I did another uh, couple-hour teaching on another radio broadcast. But I mentioned about the difficulty of communicating from the spirit world to the physical world because of the difference of dimension. And that is why that angels take physical bodies so that can put them into a relative com- uh, dimension and they can communicate with people. By that same token, Satan knows many, many tricks. And he uses his, his tricks to deceive the world. I was recently, and you're going to be getting one of the uh, crusade, survival crusade letters that will include this, but I was recently reading what some person had to say about the word rapture instead of using the terms uh, uh, to be caught up or uh, to uh, of being, you know, uh, not only caught up, but uh, something catching you up to God. Um, and I and and they were saying uh, how ridiculous it was that people were using that word rapture because it wasn't at all in the Bible. And the point then that I have made is that oh well now based on that, going back to not the original text because we, the original text of the Bible is not available that anybody knows at this time, and. People are using the latest text that they've got, the Greek and the Hebrew, Arabic, the few other ancient languages. And if you go back to any of those, English isn't in any of those. So because English isn't in those older texts that we have, does that mean then that you should not be able to. You should not be a- able to to translate it into English, because English is not in that original. 
You see, the second chapter of Acts tells that on the day of Pentecost, they were waiting with one accord when the the Holy Spirit poured out His wind upon them. And when the Holy Spirit came upon these people, they began to speak in other tongues. Now these tongues were unknown, but as they began to uh, be Holy Spirit exercised, then they began to be understood by all kinds of people from all kinds of different nations from around the world. And it lists all these different nations so that those words were translated and interpreted by the Holy Spirit, making it very clear that that is totally a plan of God because it is one of the ways of overcoming the uh, the Babylon thing that happened when all the languages were created and, and people were scattered because of the different languages. It's a restoration of the, by the church. So when we begin to deal with the unknown tongue, and, and Paul says, I, I ran on Mars Hill into this dedication that was made to the unknown God. And he said, that's incredibly interesting because that's the very God that I worship. Now he translated that unknown thing into all the language of representing in their language of being unknown, but to him being known. And so it's absolutely not out of line to describe being caught up to meet the Lord to use the word rapture. It's a perfectly fine word. And people want to strain at a gnat and swallow a camel and get in all these little ticky-nicky kind of things. And, and God just wants us to love one another. God just wants to accept one another. God just wants us to come in this charity love. And that is exactly the opposite of anything that Satan wants us to have. He doesn't like this, this, this business. Isaiah 28, 11 talks about that there will be a people with stammering lips that will speak in another, A-N-O-T-H-E-R, tongue. Now that is different from other tongues, how it was translated in the New Testament. But there's a relevance to, to both translations. But there, on the fringe of that event horizon, there are other sheep that speak another tongue, in another tongue. And they're out there at the uttermost part of heaven. And God is, is waking, waking people up. Now I'm sure that the that the devils that that dealt with Judas and were coaching him to believe what he believed that that particular devil at least and that he was so ready to take that thirty pieces of silver later he rejected it, but he was so ready at the time to to betray. And when he, after he sobbed at the bread, 
he was made ready. And the Bible says, finally then, the devil just entered into him. Just entered into him. And what is the point that I'm making? I'm making that these ministers of the transformed angels that they have become are out there. And they're doing things to the mind. And they're setting people up. And a lot of these people that are claiming that they're having these these experiences where there's these creatures that are molesting them and taking them up into a spacecraft. I can tell you right now that that is not happening. And I can tell you that I'm not guessing about it. I know from my many experiences that I have had with the Zith and with the the people that were taken up as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be, were taken up and taken to the Father's house. But I'll tell you what does happen. These demons from outer space are able to project and phototransition and even phototranslate visions and messages to people into their mind with such strong energy that these people actually believe they really were carried away into a spacecraft and really were operated on. But right now, that cannot happen in the future. It, it, those kind of things could possibly happen. Right now, it can happen because there are spiritual watchers, guardian angels of, of, of God, Michael and his seraphims, Gabriel and his cherubims who are guarding the earth and and the skies and keeping the forces of Satan from being able to come down to earth. But eventually, those demons will be able to. But right now, they're described as being, you know, uh, the the king of of the the the, the king of hell, the the king of the bottomless pit. They're out there in space. And that's that's where they're at. They're in they're in this this space and and uh eventually there's gonna be some changes. When the cosmocrater is able to go and, and hell rises up to meet him, uh and and like when Jesus went down and preached to the spirits that were sometimes disobedient and when and when Satan then uh copies that act because once you open one door it opens another and and he allows these people to be set free then you're going to have some different kind of things happening out there in the cosmic space uh, of the world and of of our skies but right now the main uh, 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 things that are being really seen are cherubims seraphims and the Artursians from the Father's house. And those Artursians are human beings that look exactly like us, but a lot of times they have androids and they have robots, little small creature-like people that some minds pick up and, and, uh, and they are not the real people of 
of the Father's house. They are, they are robots, they're substitutes. These are the whispers of Satan. These are the things that Satan doesn't want us to know about. And, and, and you know, uh, they did this to, to, to Judas. And I can tell you that without doubt that that angel that pulled out that fallen angel, uh, not fallen angel, but well, there's a fallen angel, but that demon that pulled that off is probably famous among the legions of the demon of, of Satan and famous with Satan also for having done that. Jesus just simply tells us, keep believing, keep enduring. I'm going to bring you into this relationship of, the, of my dead body. You're going to begin to understand death in a way that you're going to be able to conquer death. It's going to be one of the last, in, uh, last enemies, but you're going to be able to conquer that. And you're going to be, do this by coming through my dead body. And then he says, I'm going to call you into these chambers as though it be a moment until this indignation be overpassed. But he says, in the meanwhile, in the New Testament, occupy till I come. Don't just give up and sit there trembling in fear. Occupy till I come. Wow. It's just utterly awesome. Colossians 4.3 talks about a door of utterance being opened to the unknown God who is going to be known in ways that people have never even imagined. Never even imagined. And yes, we know by the three woes that it mentions. Revelations 9, 1 through 12. The star Abaddon angel is the king of the bottomless pit. And he has the key to the bottomless pit. And as the cosmocrat in Ephesians chapter 6, he will open eventually that pit and loosen the locus mantis. And yeah, the second woe, the beast arises out of the bottomless pit and makes war against, against the two witnesses. And the third woe, the time of the dead. They loosen spirits of the evil dead. Those are the whispers of Satan that he has whispered as it describes it in the 29th chapter of Isaiah. Uh, Revelations 11.18 talks about it as being a time of the dead. Let me talk for just a little bit as my wife is playing in the background. The Bible talks about the quick and the dead. There's a distinction between those who are dead but have the power of being quickened and those who are dead but have no such power. But you see, God is not the God of the dead. But Satan is the God of the dead, of those who are in the second death. God is opening up the souls under the altar. He's going to bring them out and set them free. And get a hold of this one. In John 10, 12, it says, there's a hireling that works with the sheep. 
and everything is going fine. He's got a job, and he looks like he's taking care of the sheep. He's a hireling. But it turns out that he's a, it's actually Satan. And that as soon as he hears the wolf come, and the wolf stands for the destruction, because Satan's going to know about this destruction. He's going to know about it before the people of the earth do. And it says he flees. And he's taught about his people. They flee. And they go out there into this bottomless pit of space that they have control of. Prince of the power of the air. Wow. These things are all unfolded in the bells, the rings, around the skirt of the priests, the ancient days of Moses and Aaron. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, all the way around the skirt. A circuit, a message. Eyes of the pomegranate. A message to us. May God bless you, folks. May His Holy Spirit be upon you and keep you. May this message dive into your heart. And with gleamings of sweet, holy presence of God, may you be healed of your sicknesses. May you be delivered from your depressions. May right now the Holy Spirit come upon you and cause your body to receive this word, this living word of God, so full of the love and compassion from the Holy Spirit. We love you. God bless you. Good night.